It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, your one and only location of all things NFL Draft. Nick Jerry, Brian Salsa right here and ready to talk about the official start of the offseason. The Super Bowl just happened yesterday. Now it is our prime time. This is where we kick things up a notch. Brian, Nick, how are you guys doing today? Uh, I think I think I'm, I think Brian's doing well. I think he might have uh, cashed in big time on some bets, I hope. Uh, maybe he, he did a lot of Gronkowski prop bets because, you know, we said it on the show, it was pretty obvious that Gronkowski was going to be the difference maker in the game along with the defense and Buccaneers world champs. No surprise there for Michael. He's been picking them all year and the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl easily in a blowout. But I got to say, people are saying the game sucked. I thought it was a still entertaining game despite the score. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, uh, I think no one's doing better than Michael, probably, you know, he's, he's the prognosticator here. Um, you know, I, I did, I did, you know, poorly picking the Chiefs, but the game did go under. Some of those props we discussed on Friday did come through. Uh, and those types of things make it fun, even when the score maybe isn't that close. So, um, all in all, it was, uh, you know, still a fun Sunday. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna miss Brian's weekly articles on InTheZone.io, unfortunately. No more, no more season, no more articles. But That's Michael, it. did you see Robert Kraft was at the game? He was sitting with Alex Rodriguez, Jennifer Lopez, and Aaron Judge. He's there to there to root on Tom and, and Rob, I guess. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they're still very close friends. And you know, I gotta give a little crap to Brady for selfishly just finally having a Super Bowl that was that wasn't down to the wire and making everyone Stressed out that I was rooting for him. This year, things seem to be uh, a lot more handled. And obviously, the credit goes to the entire Buccaneers team more so than just Brady. But it was definitely a difference maker having Brady in that organization. And Tampa Bay, like they said on the broadcast all game, is probably changed forever now because of what Brady has brought in. And Gronkowski and Brady now, the most touchdowns all time. For a duo and Gronkowski, the most receiving touchdowns in playoff history as well. And the defense was great. Brady obviously gets the MVP, but I thought it should have been Rob Gronkowski. He was just absolutely tremendous. And I thought once Fournette scored that rushing touchdown, that was going to be it for Gronkowski, but Brown gets his touchdown. So they always go to QB. But Michael, Rob Gronkowski, absolutely incredible. He, Brady and Arians already said they're coming back next year. We'll see what happens with Brown, who's been a lot of big payday. But that defense is scary as well. Uh, going to be tough to hold that team intact, but it's kind of the LeBron James effect here where people might play for the veteran minimum because they want to just win a ring, and they know they have a great chance with Tom Brady under center. Absolutely. There are some big pieces that are going to the offseason this coming offseason, and, yeah, there's – Definitely a chance that the Bucks will try to retain as much people as possible. Maybe work a little Saints magic where they just push all their debt over to the next few years and just deal with it later. That could happen, but there's definitely some question marks on some guys that will probably end up leaving. We talk about it a little bit today with some of these 
offseason blueprints. I think some of the guys aren't going to be returning, even though it may seem like they love Tampa Bay. So we'll see how Tampa Bay goes about this offseason as some huge pieces, such as Ndamukong Sue, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Rob Gronkowski, and many others are seeking a payday, especially superstar wide receiver Chris Godwin, who could be getting higher paid than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to go, right? Uh, you can't. I can't picture the whole team's back. And, uh, you know, it's interesting uh, how it's going to shake out. We know that despite the fact that Gronkowski was an MVP, he and Brady are apparently going to Disney World. I'm sure maybe they do a virtual trip there, but it seems like they're actually going to go there. Uh, Brian, any thoughts on the MVP battle there? I know I know some people who bet Gronkowski at plus 3,000, and they're very upset that he didn't win the MVP. Yeah, I mean, I thought that Gronkowski and the guy that we mentioned on Friday, Leonard Fournette, had um, you know at least a discussion, but also Ronald Jones came in and did his thing on the ground too, so it was hard to maybe give it to a running back there, but – uh, you know, it would have been great to see uh, Gronk get it, but I guess somebody had to get Gronk the ball, right? And that was Tom Brady. So, you know, it's always hard to argue. Those things are so, so subjective. I, I we still don't know who votes on that. We, obviously, I think Disney votes on the MVP because um, they have their little commercial. But out of that, you have no idea how it's determined. Yeah, and there's a chance that Rob Gronkowski could cut a very non-Disney-like promo after that. So maybe they just took it the safe route and uh, gave it to Tom. Interesting, though, but congratulations to the Buccaneers. It was it was incredible. i got to give a shout-out to my co-host on You Know I'm Right, Joe Calabrese, who had a tremendous parlay in on Gronkowski bets there. He had uh, over five receptions, he had over 50 yards, and he had two touchdowns for Gronkowski. Check, nope. check, check. Good one. And uh, I don't know what he I don't know what he ends up making, but Gronkowski was a difference maker. And Michael, like, Gronkowski is looking young again. He, I mean, he had some tremendous blocks as well. How much longer do you think Gronkowski could play now? And is this kind of like maybe a, a blueprint for players who are so beat up? Take a year off and then go to the play in a warm weather place, and you might be able to add in a few years onto your career here. And uh, you know, what do you think his contract is gonna is gonna be like here to to stay? He'll probably I mean, he, there's no way Gronkowski would ever play without Brady. So I think it's kind of like he's going to stay here. And as long as Brady wants to play, maybe he'll, he'll decide he wants to continue playing. Yeah, that's kind of the mindset I'm under. I think they'll play one more, two more years, whatever happens. They're definitely going to make sure that they're here together whenever they are here. And whenever Brady hangs it up, I'm sure Gronk will be ready to hang it up as well. And they'll go walking off hand in hand into the sunset as one of the best duos in football to ever happen uh absolutely huge year for Gronk he came in looking a little sloppy looking a little rusty people are thinking that he was just going to be a blocking tight end that could catch a few red zone targets started looking a lot better as the season went along and in playoffs he came up huge and you gotta give props to the guy I'm a huge Gronk fan so maybe it it means more to me to see him kind of be able to get back and healthy and, and seem to enjoy the game but it's it's fun to see guys that are great at football having fun with it again. And you could tell that Gronk was definitely going through a lot with the injuries that he was dealing with in his final years in New England. So seeing him back and healthy and seeming to really love the game again is is definitely a joy to watch. And all 31 points scored by the Buccaneers were by players who were not on the team last year. So, of course, Brady, Brown, Gronkowski, Fournette, and Suckup, who had some really big kicks at the time of the game. Um and makes a big difference. You saw the Chiefs punter. He was very rusty. The guy's not used to punting, and he had some really bad punts. Uh, Brian, you know, we discussed last week or two weeks ago how there were, you know, maybe not enough flags being thrown in the Packers-Bucks game. A lot of flags thrown in the Super Bowl. Any issues with that? Because I thought, personally, they were all fouls, so you had to you had to make those calls. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, I'm sure you're upset by it. But the truth is that it really didn't have an impact on the game. I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you might be thinking, well, we we beat ourselves in the first half with some of those penalties, helped ourselves dig a hole, uh, but they weren't 
terrible flags. I think that the call maybe on Mike Evans in the end zone was an uncatchable ball, but they were already inside the 10 yard line and about to score a touchdown anyway. So it played really no role uh, as far as the refs are concerned, but for the chiefs, I think it put them behind in a huge way. Um, I, I do want to say that the, the outcome of the game of the bucks winning is not shocking. I do think that the way it happened was shocking at times. I don't think anybody who, even anybody who thought that the Bucks would win could have predicted Kansas City not getting in the end zone once and losing by three touchdowns. Um, right. That was a bit shocking, you know, and you were talking about the punter and we're talking about the flags. There was one sequence where Tommy Townsend punched the ball 60 yards. It gets called back on a penalty. He shanks the next punt so yeah. that the Bucks are inside the 40. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, after a penalty, Kansas City gets a pick on third down, penalty. Same drive, Kansas City forces a field goal all, all in the neutral zone, penalty. And then they yep. turn around and give up a touchdown to Gronkowski. So it's not normally, it's usually the thing you see teams do against the Chiefs and then they take advantage of it. But that was what the Chiefs were doing against another good team. And, you know, you can't survive doing things like that. It was, uh, it was a bit, a bit surreal. Kansas City has been penalized a, a lot this year. They take a lot of penalties, but normally it doesn't cost them in that way. But last night it did. And you, everybody was probably thinking when the Chiefs have that great goal line stand to keep the, the Buccaneers at the end zone. Okay, now we're going to turn it on. Mahomes has never won a playoff game in which he was leading in the first half. So he's ready to go. Um, you know, if, if, if something happened there, you could have been questioning Arians. Like, okay, why did you not have Brady just go over or why is Ronald Jones running it in rather than Fournette? Fournette's the power back. Or how do you not throw the ball to Evans or Gronkowski once there? But you know what? It didn't matter because the Buccaneers' defense was tremendous. Rick wants us to talk about the tragedy that you cannot vote the team defense as the MVP. The Bucs' defense won the game. Yes, they did. Glock Lesnar says the Honey Badger and Brady exchanging words was very dope. Iconic Super Bowl moment. Uh, I'm not surprised, Michael, that Brady went right back after him because – Brady doesn't take crap, and you know I think he's he's one of the the better trash talkers in the league, probably. No, oh, absolutely. Him and Matthew are definitely ones that'll chirp all game at each other. They're absolutely legendary players, phenomenal at their position. So when Brady gets tested, he's going to argue back. When Matthew gets tested, he's going to argue back. So I'm not surprised at all that they didn't back down from each other and start going at it. How about that late game taunting penalty against the Bucks to Tyreek Hill? That was kind of funny. Yeah, it was a revenge from the past week or from the regular season game where Tyreek Hill hit him with the deuces on his way to a touchdown. Absolutely huge, tremendous job by Todd Bowles slowing down Tyreek Hill. Obviously, Jamel Dean was back, but instead of using Jamel Dean and just hoping for things to get better, they were able to put some overhead coverage on Tyreek Hill, just completely limit him to very limited production. And they did a solid job of containing Kelsey as well. And then also some really interesting concepts on the defensive line, having Vita Vea play from the edge where he's this nose tackle that's always just run stuffing up the middle. But instead they have him just closing down on the edge, forcing the homes to roll out, and then running right into Shaq Barrett. And that's how the Bucks won all game. They were able yeah. to keep Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. Both tackles being out for the Chiefs led to a lot of chaos. Behind that offensive line, Mahomes was left scrambling. Sometimes it was warranted. Sometimes it felt like he was doing too much. But when you have QBs uncomfortable, overthinking tends to happen, and it happened to Mahomes. And the Bucks defense came in in a big way, and that's why I can't even disagree with Ricklington there. And maybe the defense did deserve it because that was a phenomenal performance. Sue had a big sack to end, to end the game, essentially. But, you know, I knew, I knew the Chiefs were in trouble because the only offensive play working for the Chiefs really for the whole night, but to start the game was Mahomes three-yard run to the left side out of bounds for a gain of three. And I said, the Chiefs are in trouble here because the Bucs will let, that, let Mahomes do that all night long. Excellent job covering Kelsey, covering Hill. The guys were not open all night. And, you know, Mahomes, I think he maybe took one shot at Watkins, but just another time, that was the game plan that they needed, uh, you know, pre-game, I was from the pregame show. Jason Pierre-Paul had an incredible interview where uh, Nate Burleson asked him, like, how are you getting ready for Mahomes? And he said, I don't need to get ready for Mahomes. He knows I'm coming. He's got to get ready for me. And that I thought was, you know, I thought that was great that he said that. 
and he took a shot at him and it worked. And, you know, Mahomes obviously has got this toe injury, so who knows how much that impacted him. But I think the tackles being out was the big issue. Um, overall for CBS, just wanted to, uh, you know, say they did a good job post game, like showing Kelsey and, and Gronk talking. Obviously they were just, they just followed Brady around, which was fine. But how do you like at the Trove presentation, not interview Gronkowski and Bruce Arians? Like, I know you want to talk to Brady, but I figured you got to get some more people up there to talk as very quick. And I guess that's the business. Cause they were just Super excited to get over to some regular show, which nobody was going to watch anyway. But I wanted to hear – all I wanted to hear was Gronkowski talk. Right, we, didn't get, we didn't get that opportunity on CBS. Yeah, it happens. There's definitely a lot of worthy interviews. They did talk to Bruce, though, right before Brady. So at right. least there was that. But, you know, I just want to say real quick as well, huge props to Patrick Mahomes. I know he didn't have the greatest game, but the foot injury he was dealing with, he was scrambling around all game, and that's likely one that – you know, any of us or anyone watching the show would probably call out of work from a job that you're sitting down all day from. So the fact that Mahomes is out there taking hits, scrambling around in the backfield, making insane throws, you know, making throws when he's horizontal from the ground is phenomenal, and he's going to be back. I understand that the Chiefs will eventually have to deal with his cap hit, and they're going to have to rearrange how this team operates because there's going to be too many big contracts. But Mahomes is good enough to where he will be back. He will get some more rings in his time. And, you know, enjoy this career. Don't try to quickly be like, oh, Mahomes is not as good as you said he was. Oh, Mahomes is – Isn't it crazy not- to, to think that Kelsey is the same age as Gronkowski? You always think Kelsey's so much younger. But, yeah, we'll see what happens with Mahomes because five years from now, it's going to be a lot a, a lot different cast around him. Um, he's, so he's good enough like Rodgers where they're always going to be there. Um, but we'll see, you know, how the success comes. And who knows, Michael, maybe maybe Friday you'll do your off-season blueprint for the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I think that'll be pretty fun. But we got to talk well, about the team. Last the line. We got to talk yeah. about the team for top of the draft here. Well, I think that's as good a transition as any. We're going to start off with Brian's team, the New York Jets. I understand we may have some uh, differences in approach. Well, let's look at this draft. I got him going Justin Fields with that first pick. I think it's time that you go and move on from Darnold. I understand Darnold has plenty of potential, which, as you can see, with that additional second-round pick, I believe they trade him to Indianapolis, pick up a second. So we got Justin Fields, quarterback out of Ohio State. The way that you go about this is you bring in a QB, whether it's Wilson, whether it's Fields, maybe even if it's Lance, you go and get them, and you have a rookie contract on the books, you allow Salah to build up this defense. You allow him to get weapons on the offense and make this team built a lot better than it currently is. I I still believe in Darnold. I think there's potential there. But when I look at what he has done in his career, it's not enough to, for me to be confident that I want to bring him back for another year and then have to pay him after that. I think you send him off right now for a second, which I think is very reasonable, and then you bring in your favorite QB of the batch, and like I said, you build up this roster. At 23, I have them going Kadarius Tony, which may seem like a reach for many, but you look at what the 49ers draft history was, and it was guys like Debo Samuel, guys like Brandon Ayuk, who are these yards after catch monsters who are able to create plays and really do so with the ball in their hands. And that is Kadarius Tony to a T. He is absolutely a great fit for what this 49ers offense will try to do and you add another weapon to that receiving room that now is almost complete with Mims, Tony, and Crowder. You have weapons for Justin Fields to use or for whoever's at QB. With that next second, I have them going Eric Stokes, cornerback out of Georgia. I think in a zone scheme like Sala's defense, with his length, his speed, his athleticism, you have so much potential here. I do think that the Jets look for other veteran options to try to bring in a culture to New York. But adding these young, talented weapons on the defensive side of things is extremely important, and I think Eric Stokes is the way to do that. With that next second-round pick, in reward of trading Sam Darnold, you get Peyton Turner, edge rusher out of Houston. He's one of my favorite sleepers in this class, a guy that I think is great as a run stopper with plenty of potential to have success as a pass rusher. I think he's got great length at 6'6", 270. 
I think he's got great production and great moments where you really just see the dominance flash in him. The Jets need edge talent. And while they're switching to a 4-3, edge is still very much a need. You know, there's guys that could potentially play edge, but, you know, Zaniga has just been out for so long with injuries that it's a question mark right now. You got other guys on the team, maybe John Jenkins, who have also been dealing with injuries. So you need to bring in talent. I think, I think again, this is a position where they look at free agency, but bringing in a guy like Peyton Turner is absolutely huge and getting a young piece for hopefully the future and hopefully success at the position. With the first third-round pick, I have him going Jamin Davis, a linebacker out of Kentucky. He is 6'4", 234 pounds. I've talked about it all draft season with some of my friends. I say, this guy is probably going to be picked by the 49ers, and I'm going to be annoyed because they just have all these talented linebackers already. You know, you look at Fred Warner, you look at Dre Greenlaw, and Jamin Davis has similar traits. So instead of sending them to the 49ers, I'm going to say, all right, let's just send them to the Jets, which is the 49ers scheme, and they actually need some linebacker help. Cashman is fine. Mosley is fine, but both of them are out with injuries so often. Luvu is a consistent player, but I don't think he's a long-term starter for this team. So you add in a young Jamin Davis that has so much potential. Maybe he doesn't start right away, and that's fine. You bring him in as a rotational linebacker. But you have so much upside by bringing in a weapon or a defensive caliber player like this, and you really start to see the defense transform. With that next third pick, I think you have to address the offensive line. And I go Aaron Banks, offensive guard out of Notre Dame. Very nice build, very nice, consistent player. Notre Dame, obviously, consistently producing stars on the offensive line. Aaron Banks, I think, is another one, a very dependable player. And I think dependable play is what the Jets need most on their offensive line. You have Becton, you have Fant, you have guys that you can bring in. McGovern looks fine at guard. I think he's better in that position. I think you need to bring in a center and an offensive guard. Aaron Banks, I'll talk about it whenever we look at the offense. He may not be the immediate starter. I think Cam Clark still has plenty of potential. But you bring in Aaron Banks and you have a a camp competition for who wins the starting job, and I think you get this O-line going. With that fourth-round pick, I got him going Michael Carter. I think running back is definitely crucial for the Jets, especially with a young QB. You want to have dependable runners that are able to make plays and get yards picked up when needed. Michael Carter, free agent offense, you know, plenty of options for the Jets. We've seen this 49er offense, and I'm going to keep referencing them for this entire blueprint because that is really the everything is coming over from San Francisco. So expect a lot of similar things. So, you know, guys like Michael Carter, low value free agents, maybe UDFAs are going to be a big part of their running game, and it will probably work because that is just how dominant San Fran has been. With fifth-round pick, I have him going a Lark Jackson out of Iowa. I think this is a perfect swing tackle to play either left or right side. Nice frame, 23 years old, but he's had plenty of experience at Iowa. Whether you need him on the left tackle spot or the right tackle spot, I think this is perfect. He has potential to where you could see him potentially overcome George Fant in the coming years, especially if they decide to move on from Fant's contract. So look for a late-round tackle, high upside potential for playing as a depth swing tackle spot. And I think Alaric Jackson fills that role perfectly with that next fifth round pick. I have him going Joshua Kando out of Florida state, a high upside edge rusher with pass rush potential to really be special. Sala obviously needs pass rushers. I don't think Kando comes in and starts, but I think you add in these upside guys and you see what they can bring in with Kando. I think there's plenty of potential. He has great frame, great athleticism and great traits. The issue is we haven't seen it in terms of production and actual play on the field. Working with Sal, who's arguably one of the best defensive minds in football, I think that could be unleashed, and this fifth-round pick could be a steal that is talked about for many years. And with that sixth-round pick to finish off the draft, Jalen Darden, wide receiver out of North Texas, go mean green, another yards after catch receiver, Perfect for the slot. I think Jameson Crowder is a phenomenal slot option. But you also have to consider that with his contract, you may want to look into finding guys that could potentially step in and replace him with time. And I think Darden is a guy that could do that. At 5'11", he is a phenomenal slot option. He makes plays. He makes things happen in the passing game. I think right now, obviously, you leave Crowder in there and you see what he can do. But if 
after this year. You know, Crowder puts up a solid season, but nothing special. He's probably not worth the $11 million cap hit. So you got to really start looking for cheap replacement options. And if Darden can come in and be a depth receiver, it's still a very good get. So this is my mock draft for the first part of this blueprint. Brian, unleash on me if you hate it. I understand. I know you are a bit of a Darnold believer. So what are your thoughts on this mock, and what are your disagreements in regards to it? What's it mean to be the greatest oh. of all time? That was an accident. Uh, yeah, look, um, I – I don't want to say that the team has to commit to Darnold or anything like that. Uh, I do think he has talent. I think if he goes somewhere else and they were a better team, they could certainly, uh, you know, build around him. Um, no, uh, you know more about this, all of this, you know, draft stuff than me. You do your homework. So I'm not, I'm not here to rip you apart. When you look at it, the Jets need a couple of starters on the offensive line, uh, some, some wide receivers and every down running back, a pass rusher, a new linebacking core, and a whole new defensive backfield. So other than that, the roster is just in really great shape, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I think I just have a problem with fields number one. I, I have a problem just because I see such a I see, I see a pretty substantial drop off uh, between Lawrence and the rest of the QB options, and being that the Jets aren't picking, uh, you know, in the teens, they're picking literally number two. You know, I don't know if I make that pick there. We just watched the Super Bowl where the best quarterback of our generation is behind a substandard offensive line and he can't even do anything. So what is Justin Fields or Sam Darnold or anybody supposed to do behind an offensive line that can't block? The Jets have thrown a lot of resources uh, at this position. Mekhi Becton's great, but everything else was sort of a you know, mid-range stopgap sort of short-term contract. And rather than throwing uh, Band-Aids on a bullet wound, I think I'd rather um, either, you know, trade back from that pick or I would take Sewell, even though I know other Jet fans will, you know, sewer me for that. Um, you know, I love Kadarius Toney. The, the the Jets need another wide receiver option to go with Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder and uh, even Chris Herndon, if he could be that pass-catching tight end that they need. Uh, I love the fact that your mock has an edge rusher going early and linebackers. If you look at who the Jets uh, have uh, you know, when it comes to free agency, their leading tackler, Neville Hewitt, is uh, a free agent. So is Jordan Jenkins. So is their best safety, Marcus May. So is Brian Poole, who did decently at cornerback. So they need to rebuild the defense, the defense basically uh, at every – at every level. So they need some of those guys. Um, no complaints with any of the depth guys. I do like getting another wide receiver and a running back and an offensive lineman towards the end. I just think at the top, you need to be, you need to be looking wide receiver and cornerback as you are, but also uh, offensive line a bit earlier. If the jets, uh, the jets have uh, already gone after free agents with the offensive line recently, I think they need to draft one. I would do that over taking a quarterback. Uh, that's just me. If you feel like Justin Fields is this next generational talent that you can't miss, well, then I guess you have to take him. I maybe just am not of that belief. But no, Michael, I won't rip you apart. I think they should hire you as a Joe Joe Douglas's assistant, actually. <laughs> so uh, I will well, say, Rick, Rick has a comment for Michael, a Wilson hater. He doesn't like Wilson. Uh, he likes Fields. I'm not a hater. I just I really love Fields. I think he's one of the best QB prospects. Yes, there's issues in his passing delivery. Yes, there's issues in his passing game. But I think looking at what he can become is extraordinarily higher than any other QB. I mean, I look at Fields and Lance are probably the highest upside guys of those three. And I think Wilson is probably the most talented right now, but I think he offers the lowest amount of upside. I think if Fields is given a proper team, which I think Sala will be building with Douglas and with – this exciting roster and coaching staff. I think there's definitely a lot of potential here for fields in New York in a Jets organization that maybe it's had question marks about developing players to develop and be a special superstar. Now I do want to move on to this offense. Hopefully this will help your opinion of the offseason plan. I do have them spending a little money so let's get into it right away. First, at running back, I think you got to go with a guy that can be dependable but also comes with a cheap price tag, and that's Jamal Williams. I think you look at what Green Bay has done over these past three years, and both Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, 
A.J. Dillon, all three had shown a lot of promise. With the Jets, Jamal Williams comes onto a free agent market that a lot of teams do not have money. 20 million or more in cap space, only 11 teams currently have that. So a team like the Jets can probably come in and get a lot of value pickups throughout the offseason. Where they spend money, though, is at center with Corey Lindsley. I think the Packers right now will likely try to retain Lindsley any way possible, but they are currently under the cap, negative 20-something million, and Lindsley is going to be a huge payday. So if you're the Jets and Lindsley hits the market, I think that's where you have to pay him. You know, left tackle, Becton, left guard, Connor McGovern, pay Corey Lindsley, get a position battle at right guard with Aaron Banks and, and Cam Clark, and then George Van at right tackle. And this offensive line is tremendously improved. I know that there are still question marks. McGovern still has to prove himself as a guard. Fant still has to play a little bit better. But I think this is how you get the offensive line going. Obviously, there's other positions. Denzel Mims at receiver in year two. Jamison Crowder back with hopefully a dependable play and play calling system that will help him continue to put up the numbers he's had while other guys are actually putting up numbers too. And Chris Herndon at tight end and what could be a make-or-break year for him. But I think with a easier scheme, I think he could have a nice year as well. With Jamal Williams, you know, I don't think he's the only back that's going to be there. San Fran love to have this rotational system. So I think, you know, Jamal Williams, Michael Carter, like we talked about with the draft, and probably either another free agent, maybe one like Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon, who were 49ers and now hit the market again, or UDFAs that could be very talented and add to the team such as a Rakeem Boyd or someone maybe even lower who doesn't get as much hype. Now we go to the defensive side of things, and this is where the Jets are really going to be spending most of their money. And it may be a little bit out of the ordinary, but we got Quinnen Williams and Fulorenzo Fatakasi at the defensive tackle spots. On the edge, we got Kerry Hyder, who just worked with Sala last year. I think you bring him in as a veteran presence on the defensive line. You have Hyder, Turner, Zaniga. You have options on this defensive line that will allow you to get some sort of presence on the edge, which is something the Jets have not been able to see. Sorry for the shot, Brian. It's just truth. At linebacker, you know, we leave Cashman, Mosley, and Levu. Obviously, Jamin Davis will be rotating into that, but this linebacker core has plenty of talent. It's just about staying healthy. Mosley could be special this year and really bounce back if he is able to keep the injuries out of it. And Cashman is similar. He had some strong moments in his young career so far, but he's missed a lot of time. So we got to see how he does in terms of staying healthy and durability. At the cornerback position, me and Brian have talked about this nonstop. Bringing in Richard Sherman would be absolutely huge for the New York Jets in terms of establishing a culture, getting a defensive leader. I don't think Sherman is going to be necessarily chasing a contender. He could very easily do it because he's late in his career. He may want to win. But at the same time, if he would want to follow Salah and help build something in New York, I think it would be absolutely phenomenal for the Jets to have Sherman, Stokes, Bryce Hall, who I think is going to be in for a much better season working in a scheme that plays to his skill set. And then I have them retaining guys like Brian Poole and Marcus May. Brian Poole, Marcus May, both very expensive probably, but I think the money is there for the Jets to where they can make it work and bring in these defensive pieces that have been stars for them in what has been kind of a lacking defense in terms of stars. And then a strong safety, Ashton Davis, takes over for Bradley McDougald. And this defense starts looking a lot better. Maybe it's not you know a top-five unit, and I'm not throwing every single dime that the Jets have in their cap space out to every free agent that's available. But I do think having an offseason like this would be huge for the Jets. You probably aren't going to be seeing a playoff year in year one. But I do think building on this season, getting up to 5-11, 6-10 in year one, then trying to get up to 9-7, 10-6 year two is how the Jets will go about this. And in my opinion, this is how you do it. How much money do you think the years are Sherman getting? And do you worry at all? The person I like, Richard Sherman, the New York media, especially if things don't get off to a hot start. I don't think I really worry about Sherman in the New York media. I think he's been a guy that has been constantly taken by media. And especially during his time in Seattle and early in San Francisco, 
he handled it especially well. I think he embraces the idea that you can learn from mistakes, which is huge. This Jets team that's going to be young and looking to improve year after year. I think he's absolutely a phenomenal leader. He's super well-spoken. One of the smartest guys I've ever seen at the podium. I think he'd be absolutely fine in the New York media, even if he's in a rotational role with you know Bryce Hall coming in a lot or guys like Eric Stokes or whoever they bring in in the draft, maybe some other pieces on their team already. I think he'd be perfectly fine, and I think Sala would make sure that he is, at the very least, just a great leader. And I think in terms of contract, you're probably looking at in that 8 to $10 million a year range, which may seem overpriced, but I think the impact and the still skill that exists there for Sherman is well worth it. Yeah, I've been in agreement with with Michael on the Sherman thing. I think that um, you know, there's nothing wrong with bringing in veterans and on a on a short term sort of sort of deal. I mean, look, if you look at the list of cornerbacks, there's a lot out there on the market. If you want to get somebody that maybe costs a little bit less, but at the same time, the Jets don't. The Jets have have some money to spend. They will have money to spend. Uh, the defensive backfield is really like a lot of young guys and than just a lot of holes. So I, I do think that there's room for for veterans. If you want to bring in a guy like Sherman, you want to bring in a guy like, I don't know, uh, I think guys like Mackenzie Alexander is a free agent. Um, you know, uh, even, even DJ Hayden's a free agent. You know, it just depends on who you like. They should bring back Brian Poole and both Marcus May. So I love that. Hopefully Mosley is back to, uh, you know, an opt-in. I think the Jets got exactly – one game out of Mosley, uh, you know, they were beating the Buffalo Bills 16 nothing at halftime in week one in 2019. Mosley gets hurt. The entire season goes down under, and then he doesn't play this year. So having got – I don't even know where you got that picture from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Must have been, been a preseason game or training camp or something like that. But, uh, no, um, you know, Michael, I'll admit you're getting me a little bit – I'm not going to say the word excited. I'm just going to say that. Every team starts. Every team's back to uh, their records uh, uh, zero and zero now. So actually, Jets are tied for first place in the AFC East. Yeah, and like I said before, maybe this isn't going to be the off season that people dream of, where they're bringing in you know the top guys at every position. I'm sure there's some people out there that think they're getting Dak, Aaron Jones, Corey Davis, and then you know every defensive superstar out there. It's probably not going to happen like that. And most likely, the Jets aren't going to do a complete 180 in year one. But I think with a organization that was as frustrating as it was in this past season, it's important to enter the season with the idea we want to see a team that is better. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable ask. Maybe it doesn't result in a surprise playoff run or a surprise contending season. But I think looking at a team that has a lot of potential – and seeing a six and ten, seven and nine, five and eleven season, even where you're competitive, is absolutely huge. So if they have like a Panthers-like season where maybe they aren't that high in the standings, but they put together a good year and are close in a lot of games, then that's absolutely a win for the Jets, especially after what seemed like a never-ending torture cycle with Gase at some points last year. Yeah, I think people are going to want to go from two wins to nine wins, and sure, that'd be great. It doesn't really happen in the NFL like that. I think that's something to keep in mind is that even if they don't get every free agent that they'd be after uh, this year, uh, free agents want to go to teams that are close. They want to go play for coaches that, um, you know, that that kind of players, coaches that guys want to play for. I think they're covered in that department with Sala. They need to improve incrementally so that the guys who are free agents, you know, next year and other years, you know, down the line within the next couple are going to look at this team and say, well, maybe they're just, you know, me away. Maybe they're just a, a position sort of away right now. They have so many holes to fill that you can't really worry about the finished product and what that will look like. You have to hope for incremental improvement. You have to go from two wins to six or to seven or something like that. So, I mean, you kind of have to start somewhere. The great thing about Salo and LaFleur coming in now is that the Jets are very much a, a you know, a, a clean slate. It's a fresh canvas. There's a, and a lot of money to work with. So hopefully those two in concert with Joe Douglas can, you know, sort of start to turn things around because event you can only pick at the top of the draft for so long. Your draft picks have to turn into something eventually, and you have to spend your money wisely. Those are both things the Jets have struggled with in the last, I don't know, forever. So, um, you know, it has to so start. Would you, would you equate you know, Hyder and Sherman or really anybody that Sal brings over from the 49ers to when 
Rex Ryan loaded up on Ravens, you know, most notably Bart Scott, and kind of had him lead their defense to to start his coaching career. Well, me or Michael? Either or. Doesn't matter to me. Well, I mean, I think the point is to bring along players that you know that you can trust, whether it's to be the locker room leader, whether it's to get the system uh, or both, really. So I think the idea is a little similar. Yes, I mean, Rex Ryan put in an offensive system that Bart Scott had already mastered and that uh, and at his position, he's sort of the uh, captain of the defense, right? Like the shortstop on your baseball right. team. So uh, that's really what you know, you're looking for. I think it's a little bit maybe less so with Richard Sherman because he's out, he's out wide. But if a guy like CJ Mosley does come back, I'm pretty sure you can plug and play him into any defense on earth and he'd be pretty good at it. So, um, you know, it would be a little bit of, you know, a little bit of that to bring guys over that, you know, you know, you can trust, right, Michael? Absolutely. And I think that's huge familiarity, getting guys that can kind of coach down. There's definitely a little bit of disconnect between coaches and players in most teams. So having that player connection where veterans can help bring along those players a little bit more and additional support in that organization is huge. So having a guy like Kerry Hyder working with Peyton Turner or whoever the Jets drafted edge and having a guy like Richard Sherman helping, you know, whether it's guys like Bryce Hall or guys like Eric Stokes, who they may draft or whoever they draft a corner is definitely huge because you have two guys that know the system found success in the system and now can share that wisdom with their locker room and hopefully help bring up some of the young talent as well. We do got to get moving on though to the next team. And that is the Miami dolphins currently in possession of number three, but we pull up the draft board and number three is gone. Hold on guys. I understand this is a big price tag, but I think it's worth it in the end. We got some trade details. Tua Tagovailoa, Christian Wilkins, Eric Flowers, the first pick that they have in the first round, number three, the 18th pick, the 35th pick, your 2022 first, and your 2022 second for Deshaun Watson and the 2022 fifth-round pick. It's hefty. I get it. But if you want Deshaun Watson, you have to pay the price. Yeah, obviously you have to give them the young QB to give them potential. You have to give a star player, and I think Christian Wilkins can fill that need. And then Eric Flowers is a dependable lineman that the Texans can bring in and really have some hope of building the interior offensive line. So for the Dolphins, entering this draft after now acquiring Deshaun Watson and kind of depleting their draft capital, in that first pick in the second round, they go Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State. Maybe this is a little bit of a dream pick in my scenario because I think Tevin Jenkins is an absolute stud. I think he fills that right tackle spot and allows this offensive line, which has already taken tremendous strides to reach that next level. And Tevin Jenkins is phenomenal. If you want to check him out, check out his game versus Joseph Osai in the Texas game. You'll see so many times where they're just going at it and is absolutely a battle of two very strong prospects with the third pick. We got Baron Browning out of Ohio State, linebacker. He fits the Brian Flores-type mold, great size, great frame, and absolutely has a tremendous motor. The potential is there. Working with a guy like Flores, I think it could be unlocked, and you're getting a superstar linebacker if you can really reach what is his upside. And Baron Browning has plays where you look at him and you're like, that's a first-round pick. No doubt about it. That's like a top-10 guy. And then there's plays where you're like, what are you doing? But that you can't do that. So the upside is there. It's just making sure the processing gets there, taking advantage of his frame and motor and seeing what can happen with Baron Browning in that defense and working with Brian Flores. I think it could happen with the fourth round pick. I have Amir Smith Marset, an underrated wide receiver who was hurt most probably by a COVID like season, little time to work with their new QB Obviously, there was some lack of production this year compared to others, but Amir Smith-Marset still pops on tape. He kind of reminds me of an Emmanuel Sanders type, and I think that's where he would fill in perfectly to the slot in Miami, working with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and ISM in the middle. I think you add that weapon, and I think you have a great get. In the sixth round, we go to Wisconsin, guys. Eric Burrell, a free safety who can really rotate between both spots, and Isaiah Loudermilk, a defensive lineman. 
Both Wisconsin guys both have so much potential pop-off tape. I think they're good depth options. They could potentially become more, but I think right now when you're looking at it, you get them as depth and you have them as tremendous pieces to rotate in. And in the seventh round, we go Isaiah Dunn, cornerback out of Oregon State, offers nice size, nice aggressive play style, and he plays well in man coverage. I think you add him into this cornerback unit that I already like a lot, and you have plenty to do. Now let's get into it with their lineup. There's not going to be a lot of money to throw around because you bring in Deshaun Watson, but the one place that I think they should invest in is running back. And I bring in Leonard Fournette at the running back position. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Not all these Bucks guys are going to be able to come back. I think Leonard Fournette is the big one. You bring in a tough, dependable runner like Fournette, and I think this offense takes off. I think he fits that Patriots system of an aggressive north and south guy, but I think he also offers a decent amount of upside in the passing game as well. You know, there's still options in this team with Salvo and Ahmed and other guys that could potentially pr- produce as well behind him. So you don't have to conti- uh, just consistently rely on Fournette, but I think having Fournette as that main guy is huge. At the wide receiver position, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Amir Smith-Marset, obviously so much talent there. Mike Kosicki had a great uh, year last year, so I think having him back again is definitely going to happen. The offensive line is definitely young. You have Kinley and Hunt at the guard spots, both rookies last year. Austin Jackson at left tackle, rookie last year. Ted Karras, he was solid, you know, a nice stopgap, I think, right now with everything that happened this offseason in this mock blueprint. You keep Karras and you try to bring him back and have this consistency on the offensive line. Then Tevin Jenkins right there at right tackle. And this offense really gets going. I love Tua. I think there's so much potential there. But when you have a chance at Deshaun Watson, you got to swing for the fences. And I think Miami absolutely has to do it. On the defensive side of things, we're looking at Raekwon Davis, who had a superstar season as a rookie. If you haven't noticed him yet, you better pay attention. Huge frame, 6'7", 330 pounds, has been a phenomenal nose tackle. At the defensive end spots, you got Zach Seiler and Emmanuel Ogba. Obviously, with no Christian Wilkins, it hurts. You, you probably want that if you're a Dolphins fan. You're saying, I miss them. But Siler and Agba played very well, and I think you bring in more and more defensive linemen, especially veteran cheap contracts like Flores will be able to do, and you're going to get the most out of it. At the linebacker spot, we got Jerome Baker and Elandon Roberts. I think both these guys are very talented. Obviously, Baron Browning sitting behind them and rotating between those two and Kyle Van Noy at the Sam spot. I think there's a lot of potential here. At edge, like we said, Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson, both guys that were able to tremendously improve the edge position. Probably still a little bit of a need for edge in Miami, but having these guys there right now is definitely enough to continue competing. This Miami defense was phenomenal to end the year, and I think it's huge that they continue that and let another year of Flores really take shape. And at corner, you know, one of the best secondaries in the NFL with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, I think – Noah Igbenogany will have a huge bounce back year. A lot of rookie cornerbacks struggle. I loved a, I loved his tape at Auburn. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I trust Flores to get the most out of him, especially defensive coach Josh Boyer working with the secondary. I think will do wonders for him. And then at the safety spot, you have to kind of decide between Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe. I think they cut McCain, go with Brandon Jones at free safety, and have Eric Rowe return at strong safety. And that is the Dolphins offseason blueprint led by Deshaun Watson and Leonard Fournette, but much of the same with Flores working another season under his belt. This is the team I predicted to go to the Super Bowl whenever we did the uh, the Super Bowl episode 2022 predictions. There's definitely some question marks surrounding this team, but I think with another year of Flores and with a guy like Deshaun Watson at the helm, this team could be special. Well, if you can get rid of Eric Flowers, your team's already that much better. So if they can get rid of him, I think they like that. Uh, I don't see this big blockbuster trade happening because, you know, my record's here saying I think the Texans re- retained Deshaun Watson. But now we got to do the Texans' uh, blueprint, Michael, because they are the number three team here picking. You know, what's interesting about this graphic here is look at this defense. Everybody's returning. So what does that tell you? The defense is in place. They're ready to go. If they get Deshaun Watson – it's going to be a huge difference maker for them. And Leonard Fournette would be a tremendous addition as well. So that's that would be a big-time boost for them. Uh, the offensive line, already pretty good. And, you know, you add in 
get a replacement for Flowers, that'd be a big upgrade. Rick has a nice comment here about the O-line, which we're not going to put on the air here. He's a dumb button. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Dolphins are in a good spot here. It's going to be an interesting, competitive NFC East for the next few years here. Obviously, we got to see what the Patriots do with the quarter situation. But, you know, the Bills aren't going anywhere. And the Jets, they're going to they're gonna try to come here and get, the, get things going. Here we go. That O-line is very, very nasty good. There you go, Rick. <laughs> a clean-up version. We appreciate it, Rick. I think the same. You know, obviously, there's going to be some growing pains, maybe some sophomore issues for some of these offensive linemen. But I think that offensive line, especially when you look at what was happening when Rosen was the QB, is much improved and hats off to Chris Greer. Well... That is all we have for you guys today here on Destination Draft Day. We got Nick, we got Brian, and we got plenty of draft talk. We're going to be coming at you all offseason with blueprints, mock drafts, positional rankings, and scouting reports. Stick with us because we got it all covered. Destination Draft Day, your one and only destination for NFL draft talk. It's a long road, but we'll get you there. Pro football, college football, NFL draft, we got you covered. Nick. Brian, thank you guys so much. Everyone that's viewing and in the comment sections, we appreciate you guys so much as well. Thank you to Landry Football and thank you to Bonus Seeker for all the opportunities they brought us. We will see you guys on Friday where we talk some more blueprints and some more football. Take care. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.